uh, together. Reading Psalm 16. Psalm 16. Psalm 16 and verse 1. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Amen. Now, you may not realize it, but this is a momentous moment. This is the first sermon I have preached since Donald Trump became president elect of America. That was a bit of a surprise to say the least. Uh, we had our Brexit and America just had to go one bigger, didn't they? And they elected Donald Trump. Some have greeted the news with uh, despair, some have greeted the news with anger, some have greeted the news with joy. But all have greeted the news with surprise, I think it's fair to say. And one of the most striking images that I have seen since the results of that election was uh, the front page of a German newspaper, which had a big picture of Donald Trump. And then all of the writing on the paper, not that it matters because I can't read German anyway, but it's all upside down. And they're trying to make the point that the world has been turned upside down. It's been turned on its head. What is happening to the world that seems so unpredictable, it seems so uncertain, it seems so insecure. And just in the course of conversations that I've had with uh, several people uh, within the fellowship, it's clear that to some of us, our world feels a bit like that. It feels uncertain, it feels unsafe, it feels insecure, it feels as though our world has been turned upside down and we are struggling to find our feet. Where do we turn to 
when our world feels like that. We turn to the Lord. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. David knew what it was to tackle the lion and the bear as a boy. He, he knew what it was to take down a giant with nothing more than a sling and a stone. But he didn't always feel invincible, David. He knew what it was to feel frightened. He knew what it was to feel vulnerable, to feel fragile. And his response in those moments was to turn his gaze upon God, to turn to his God to find the peace and the strength and the hope that he needed, to cry out to his God, keep me safe, for in you I take refuge. I was in uh, Calder Vale on Wednesday leading a remembrance assembly with Valerie. And uh, in the course of the assembly, Valerie shared something of the story of Corrie Ten Boom. She's actually done the same thing here in the church, I'm sure. Probably all of us are familiar with her story. Certainly most of us will be. Um, but Corrie Ten Boom and her family uh, in occupied Holland during World War II were very brave, very courageous. And they made a room in their home into a shelter, into a safe house for Jews. They put up a fake wall and they allowed Jews to hide behind this wall safe uh, from those who would seek to harm or to kill them. They called the safe house, appropriately enough, the hiding place. And we saw pictures of this hiding place. Well, as Christians, the Lord is our hiding place. The Lord is our refuge. The Lord is our shelter from the storms of life. If you are buffeted and bruised by the wind and the waves, then turn to Him. Hide in Him. Comfort yourself with thoughts of the Savior. Cry out to Him. Plead with Him for protection and in His grace the strength to take your next step. When everything seems uncertain, he is our rock on which to stand and our refuge in which to find shelter. Change and decay in all around I see, O thou who changest not, abide with me. Or how about this one? Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. He is our rock and our refuge. He is our Lord. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. King David was not at the top of the tree. Although he was king of Israel, although what he said would have been obeyed without question, without hesitation, he knew that he was a man under authority. And we, if we are Christians, are men and women and boys and girls under authority. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. He is our refuge. He is our Lord. 
and he is our provider. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, says James. We are obsessed by gifts at this time of the year. Yes, it is this time of the year. I know we're still in November, but uh, the Christmas madness has begun. We are obsessed by gifts, and yet the world seems to pay uh, little attention to the greatest gift and to the greatest giver. Pay scant regard to God himself. And everything we have is ultimately a gift from him. Even the things that we think we have worked so hard all by ourselves to earn and to buy, they are gifts from his hand because he is the one who has given us strength and energy and the intellect and the opportunity to work and to earn and to buy. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, says James. Apart from you, says David, I have no good thing. Uh, we just sang, as I said a few moments ago, one of my favorite hymns, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. He is the fountain from which every stream of blessing flows. And so it ought to be as we receive and enjoy any blessing, we follow the stream upriver, as it were, well, to the fountain, to the source, and we give him all the thanks and all the praise. Come, O fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing your grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Apart from you, I have no good thing. He is our refuge. He is our Lord. He is our provider in verses 5 and 6. I'm not sure if you can read that on the screen or not. It's rather small, but you should have a few Bible available if you're struggling to see. Verses 5 and 6 put a bit more uh, meat on the bones. So the Lord is our provider, and we can see from verses 5 and 6, He is sovereign in the way He provides for us. Even when the world or our world seems so chaotic, we affirm by faith that God is in control, that God is on the throne. He is utterly sovereign. You have assigned me my portion and my cup. So what we have or what we don't have is not ultimately down to good luck or bad luck or chance or our own efforts or lack thereof, ultimately it is down to the Lord. He is the one who has assigned us our portion and our cup. He is the sovereign provider. Uh, John Newton said, every drop of rain hits its appointed target. Nothing is chaos. The Lord is on the throne. The Lord is in control and even when the world seems to have turned upside down and we are struggling to find our feet, we ought to comfort ourselves by reminding ourselves that He is in control, that He does know exactly what He is doing, and He is at work not only for His glory, but for our goods. He has assigned us our portion and our cup, and if we see a right, 
And that's a big if. If we see aright, we will be able, as believers in Christ, to say amen to verse 6. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. You don't have to be a king to be able to say that. You just have to be a child of the king. And many of our greatest hymns were penned by their authors in the midst of great personal trial and trouble and pain and loss, none more so than it is well with my soul. Horatio Spafford, in the midst of terrible pain and terrible loss, was able to remind himself that it was well with his soul because he was a child of the King. So that's who the Lord is. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then the Lord is your Lord. He is your rock and your refuge from the fiercest of storms. He is your sovereign provider. And in Christ, you can say with David himself, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And our response to this God, he is our refuge, and so we find our shelter in him. He is our Lord, and so we obey him. He is our provider, and so we thank and praise him for what we have and we pray to him for what we need, as we are commanded by Christ himself to do. And we will do none of these things, as we ought, unless we follow David's example from verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. What does that mean? We don't get to, to place God. We don't get to pick him up and place him down. If you've ever been in, in some museums, you'll see uh, wee gods uh, that pagan worshippers kind of carved for themselves many years ago. They could pick their wee gods up and place their wee gods in their pocket and carry them around and show them off. Well, we don't get to do that with the true and living God, with the maker of heaven and earth. Of course, we can't place him down that's not what David means, but we must remind ourselves continually that he is with us. Come thou fount of every blessing. It's the old version I know better. And if I tell the truth, I prefer the old one slightly better. Uh, but there's a line uh, in the new version that we sang together that says, through God's grace, I am his debtor. Daily, I this thought renew. That's what David means, isn't it? Daily, I this thought renew. I remind myself uh, of the grace of God, of all that God has done. I remind myself that God is with me, that God is for me. Wherever we are, Whatever we face, however we feel, if we are believers in Christ, He is with us and He is for us. 
That's what David means. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. That's the most honored place in the ancient world, at your right hand. So if you have a meal and you invite lots of people around, the person who's seated at your right hand is the most important guest. So you're not going to forget this person. They're, they're in the uppermost of your thoughts. They're your special guest because he is at my right hand, because he's at the most honored place in my life. I will not be shaken. The world may be shaken. The world may be turned upside down, turned on its head, but I will not be shaken because the Lord is at my right hand. We read from Psalm 46 this morning, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Quoted some heavyweight hymns uh, this evening. Abide with me, rock of ages, come thou fount, it is well. Here's another one for us. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. He is with us. He is for us. Whom shall we fear? And so now we move into the closing verses of the psalm, and we are transported all the way through Scripture to Acts chapter 13. Came expecting a sermon uh, tonight. Well, you're getting two for the price of one because I want us to turn to Acts chapter 13 as we read uh, most of Paul's sermon in the synagogue. Acts chapter 13. So he quotes a number of Psalms in this, including Psalm 16. Acts chapter 13, and we'll read from verse 15. Acts 13, verse 15. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. 
After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not that one. No, but he is coming after me, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead, never to, de to de decay, is stated in these words. I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere, and this is from Psalm 16, you will not let your holy one see decay. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Amen. Well, were I to ask you if you owned a magnifying glass, I suspect I would see a few hands raised. Were I to ask you if you owned a helicopter, I suspect I wouldn't see any hands uh, raised. But if that's the case, and I have some bad news to bring, I had a Bible college lecture when I was in Bible college in Northern Ireland. We used to say, if you want to be a good Bible scholar, you need two things. You need a magnifying glass, and you need a helicopter. Sometimes you need to take your magnifying glass out and have a good look at the text. You need to zoom in on a word or a phrase. Maybe if you know the Greek or the Hebrew, start parsing those verbs and all that kind of stuff. You need to go right in close. But there are other times that you need to get in your helicopter 
and zoom away up into the sky and see the full story of salvation history in Scripture from beginning to end and then work out where your passage fits into that great and glorious story. I think most of us as Christians are not too bad at the magnifying glass, but we're not that good at the helicopter. Some of us don't have a very good grasp of the, the, the overarching story of Scripture from beginning to end. We know our favorite verses, we know some of the books we like, but we haven't quite grasped the way the story unfolds from Genesis to Revelation. Well, not so for the Apostle Paul. He knows the story very well, and that's what he does in his sermon in the synagogue in Acts chapter 13. He gets into his helicopter before they're even invented. He zooms up away in the sky, and he unpacks salvation history, showing why Jesus is the fulfillment of that history. He sees the big picture, and he knows something that, again, Christians seem uh, not to know. He knows that he is not the subject of Scripture. He's not the star of the show. He knows the Bible is all about Jesus. And so he takes what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, he takes his Bible, he opens it, and he points the people to Jesus. And he uses, amongst other Psalms, Psalm 16. He says, so it is, verse 35, this is of Acts 13, so it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your Holy One see decay. For when David had served his purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he died, he was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. And then he goes on to say, not so for Christ. Christ died on the cross, but his body didn't see decay because God raised him from death. King Jesus defeated death, and he proved that he was victorious by his resurrection. And now through him the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. Through him everyone who believes, as we heard this morning, that means everyone who trusts and acts upon that, everyone who trusts in Jesus is justified. Jesus has done what the law could never do. Not that the law is bad, because the law shows us our needs for forgiveness. The law shows us our needs for Jesus. And the law points to Jesus as the perfect priest and the perfect prophet and the perfect king. So the law po points to our need for Jesus. The law points to Jesus. And the law shows us how we ought to live as those who have placed their faith in Jesus. God says he will write the law on our hearts. So the law has its place, but it is powerless to make us children of God. Only Jesus can do that. Through him, everyone who believes will be justified. And everyone who is justified gets the blessings that the law could not give. Supremely, and again Bill mentioned this this morning, friendship with God now God Almighty is our refuge and our strength. He is our protector and our provider. Now the Lord is our Lord. And all of that because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And so on this Remembrance Sunday, let us remember that. 
And as we remember, we rejoice. We rejoice in Jesus and the many uh, streams of blessing that we have found in Him. I'd like us to watch a short uh, video. It's made for Remembrance Sunday. I know it's late, it's dark outside, but it is still Remembrance Sunday, so we're going to watch this uh, video. And then after the video has come to an end, I'm going to just leave a minute or two for us to just reflect quietly on everything that the Lord has said to us this morning and this evening, just to pray in the quietness. I'm not going to lead that time of prayer. It's going to give us the opportunity in the, the stillness, in the quietness, uh, just to pray uh, ourselves and then after a minute or two, uh, Lorna will begin to play for us and we'll stand to sing our closing hymn, And Can It Be That I Should Gain. <laughs> 